Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday of Activism. We have Bobby Tuna. We're very, very lucky to have Bobby Tuna. Miggy and I have been a fanboy activists geeking out that we're actually able to sit down with the uh, the godfather of ganja, the square grouper uh, importer, Bobby <laughs> Tuna. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. It's a lovely Sunday, despite the fact that the Dolphins uh, looked as bad as any team could look today. Have you have you watched the Bears play recently? That's quite bad. Yeah. Huh? The Bears. Yeah, yeah no. Um, both of my teams, the U, looked awful yesterday. It looked like they were coming around for a couple games. But same thing with the Dolphins. They had a couple of good minutes, but that's about all they're getting this year. And that's because there's no legalization for you guys. If you were to come to Seattle, the Seahawks are kicking ass. I'm just saying. We got legal yeah. weed. Seahawks have had a good team for a while. I remember once I got out of Seattle, it was uh, the day before the Seahawks were in the the, wor- the World Series, uh, the Super Bowl back in 2015. I had a what friend. They've had some good teams. They've had some good teams in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? The has the record for catches. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not um, even a big. They, they had a great uh, quarterback. Yeah, I got Russell Wilson. He is pretty good. Yeah. Hey, man. Um, so, Bobby, we were talking back in the green room. Why don't you uh, give a little bit about your backstory? Backstory? Yeah. Starting I, starting where? Right. Uh, I want you to start with the first <laughs> joint you sparked. What year was this? Okay. Uh, 19. Let me think. It's in the book, too. The story of the, the first Colombian that I ever lit. Anything else before that doesn't count. How do you know it's Colombian? Yeah. Well, I had smoked like most guys uh, college age. I had smoked uh, plenty of Mexican ditch weed and didn't much care for it and gave up on it. And uh, I was in Philadelphia pick up my mom. She was working there and I was going to take her back to Atlantic City where she lived. I stopped at a friend's house and he wasn't home. I went upstairs to wait, and we all lived on top of our stores on South Street in Philadelphia. My mom had a children's store. Uh, I was with my partner's family. Uh, They have a women's store. 
Anyway, I'm up on the fourth floor with his sister, and she whips out a joint. And uh, I said, no, thanks. That's, that shit doesn't do anything for me. Said, this is Colombian. I'd never even heard of it, let alone seen it at that point. Uh, and she lit a joint of uh, good Colombian gold. Wow. Uh, after about two tokes, I was wondering how I was going to get back down the steps. <laughs> Right. And then sneak through their store without her mom knowing that it was rent. Oh my god! I sure knew. Hey, and I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that that was my first big experience uh, with weed. I think it's amazing that we fast forward. Was that at least fifty years ago? Was it before '69? Uh yeah, right around then. All right, fast forward fifty years. Colombia is still looking to be the chief exporter of cannabis, rivaling Canada as soon as it's legal to start importing, exporting. I mean, Colombia still has the renown and there's a lot that's going. I mean, they, did you know that they supply most of the flowers in the United States? Yes, I did. Wow. I know people who uh, were smuggling weed and uh, blowing in the big uh, flower shipments. Wow. Uh, so you had <laughs> inside knowledge on that. No, I, I knew they were the, they're the biggest flower uh, grower in the world, and they grow gorgeous flowers. Yeah. But it was inevitable yeah. that those big, long boxes, you know, there's like 50 heads in a box, 50 flower heads. Uh oh, oh boy. When you, they call them florist pack. And uh, it was inevitable that, that people shipping 100 boxes a day put a few presents in a few. No shit, Bobby. I was watching yeah. your, the, your documentary, this the Scare Grouper, Godfathers of Ganja, just today, and uh, yes. that again back to the Colombia situation because they 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 mentioned that the a lot of the weed was Colombian, but uh, uh, I mean, was that the main vein back then? Uh, I, you know, I'm just curious because I know Mexico had a bunch of stuff and whatnot. Mexico was kind of a dead issue once. We started bringing in good weed from Jamaica and Colombia. Uh, until then, the only Mexicans coming in that were good was a uh, small amount of Oaxacans and uh, some from Michoacan. But 99% of the Mexican coming in was, was border ditch weed. And the only way to get high is if you had a ladder or a sky hook. <laughs> and I don't know. You're, you're maybe not old enough to remember that. I can remember as kids, we used to smoke it, and then, you know, you get red eye and a sore throat, and you look at each other, and can you tell I'm high? Am I high? Do I look high? Better yet, do I feel high? The same thing happened to me yeah. in 2003 when I was in college or just thereabouts, and we were smoking just – they were still exporting that ditch weed out of Mexico. At least they were back in 2003. But this guy says he remembers some Colombian gold around 73. Is that how they would brand it, or was that a cultivar strain no, name? No, no. Pay attention. You'll get a lesson. Oh. Here we go. There were three kinds of weed coming in from Colombia. One was called Punta Roja, grown in the mountains, a beautiful bright green with red specks, sparkly red specks in it, and it was killer weed. We didn't see very much in this country because the only people who had it in Colombia were the truck drivers. 
And if I wanted to get some, if I was down in Santa Marta or Barranquilla, I would go to the produce mart where all the trucks came in from the mountains. Wow. And I could get a small amount, maybe if I was lucky, a couple pounds to bring home as special. Oh, yeah, laggy. But the, ma the majority of what was coming in was Colombian rigs, mountain wheat. It grew in fields that were 100 miles long and, and a mile wide. And it was good, but uh, it was crude. What I brought in was most of the Colombian, what they called Colombian gold. Back then, we called it Santa Marta gold because that's the only place it grew. <laughs> it's on a couple of mountainsides. <clears throat> well, that's something right that, above uh, Santa Marta. And that became the mother strain for almost every good medical hybrid today. Man. It was such an incredible strain. When you got fresh Santa Marta gold, and first of all, of course, you had to clean the seeds out. People don't remember seeds. <laughs> but good Colombian was like 30% seed weight. That's okay. Big fat juice and seeds. And we used to take a, a lid from a shoebox and you break up the wheat and you take a credit card and you, you go like this and the seeds rolled down and the wheat stayed on top. But when you went to roll it, you couldn't get it off your fingers. That's how sticky it was. That's wow. how good it was. It was two-toed wheat. But after you took the two totes, you had to tear the end off because it was clogged up with golden resin. That's beautiful. I love that you have the ability now to rebut that old canard that they always use. This isn't your grandfather's weed. You can be like, excuse me a second. I, uh, I can attest that, yes, it is. You know, we used to, the one thing we could do back then was we could test for THC. And we had friends at the university. We used to test, test the loads. Our loads averaged close to 18%, sometimes wow. even a little bit more. Holy shit. That's top shelf today. Yeah. And uh, we had Thai stick that tested at 18, 19%. We had Maui oh. and uh, we caught the other, the other Hawaiian, Kona Bud. They all tested between 16 and 19%. So to say it's so much stronger today is other bull. Nice. And you know, with weed, it doesn't matter how strong it is because it titrates almost immediately. And if you're a two-toke guy, you don't even think about it. You do your two-toke, you put it down, and you come back the next day. Well, oh, yeah. I go back okay. a couple of hours, but, you know, it's that's one of the things I enjoy about the medical yeah. cannabis is that it's a couple of tokes, you come back in a bit, and then you can titrate again, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you about a weed that you come back three days later. Oh, Whoa, I want to see I that. I used to live in London. Yeah. You know, I started the largest chain of schools in Europe. Uh, it was called Dynamic Reading. And I had schools in England, Holland, Germany. I had my own teachers in Oxford, Cambridge, Edinburgh, London University. Uh, and I lived over there for about three years. One day, a friend of mine comes over. He owned uh, Reprise Records in Europe. And he had a bag. It was probably about a half pound, a little more. Pitch black. 
And he says, this is very, very special weed. It's grown for a, a religious ceremony in Sierra Leone. They only harvest a couple of pounds twice a year. And he said, I don't trust myself with it. So I want you to hold it. He said, if I ever come ask you for some. Then you can give it to me. He said, but you can yeah. smoke all you want. <laughs> that was one Friday. I decided to dig it out. And I'm with three friends, a barrister, a solicitor, you know, two flavors of lawyers, a barrister, a solicitor, and my girlfriend. And we were sitting around a cocktail table. I pulled some down and I rolled up a doobie. We passed it around, put it in the ashtray. This was 4.35 o'clock on a Friday, cocktail hour. Mm -hmm. And the next thing we knew it was four o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> We're still sitting there. Half the joint's still in the ashtray, but there was not a drop of food left in the house. There wasn't anything, not a piece of bread, not a cookie, huh. not an egg. And I always kept my house with plenty of food. In London, it's not easy to find a grocery store open on Sunday or anything else for that matter, except for central London. But I happened to have a German delicatessen that was on the next block. It was about a block away. And we had to have food. We were desperate. And so I went downstairs and out the door. I had beautiful little Muse house where I lived. Uh, you know, the Muses were the little areas behind the mansions where the servants live. They kind of call and them stay. butlers. Anyway, I start down the steps and toward the delicatessen. And the further I walked, the further away it got. And I'd walk some and they'd move it further away. I thought it was going to take an hour to go a block. Right. I finally got there, of course, and I bought out the whole store. Some of that, I want some of that, some of this. Uh. It was an amazing experience, and I, I've never quite had uh, smoke like that. Bobby, you're you're a long time. Okay, right. you're you're a long time connoisseur, not just a guy who who got in trouble with some cannabis, but uh, an aficionado. Uh, have you saved any genetics that you came across? I know a lot of guys who are old school smugglers, and some have saved some. Uh, but you keep that stuff in prison for thirty yeah, years. I was going to say, like, yeah, I mean, like, you might have had a chance of keeping some genetics if the government didn't get in the way. But yeah, what happened, man? I got and, uh, 30 I years in prison, my friend. Uh, you don't get to hang on to anything. That's yeah. where you had to cut ties. Uh, my wife. Oh, that's great. I got out. She was there. So this, this square grouper, it's available on Amazon Prime. Uh did the square grouper come from Colombia, and what is it? Square grouper, of course, is what we used to call bales that were floating around in the ocean. Some some asshole smuggler, uh, his nuts would shrink up to peanuts, and uh, he'd imagine he was being followed or he was afraid to come in, and they dumped 20, 30,000 pounds overboard sometimes. Wow. I'm proud to say we never dumped anything, not out of a boat or a plane oh, or man. out of our pockets even. Uh, but a square grouper is a floating bale of weed. Uh, 
I thought it was a terrible name. Godfathers of Ganja is what they called it in every other country, in Canada and Europe and Italy. It's all over the world, it's called the Godfathers of Ganja. In this country, it was Square Grouper, and nobody knew what the hell Square Grouper meant. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to talk Billy Corbin and Alfred Spellman, you know, raconteur films, people who made Cocaine Cowboys and uh, The U uh, for 30 for 30 for uh, ESPN. Yeah. In any case, I did the PR for the film. Magnolia Pictures was the distributors, and I went around to all the uh, openings and the film festivals and uh, had a great time. Yeah, well, good, way, good way to get out of jail. Oh, sh how well the job do you think they did representing your um, your story? Because I I thought it was kind of neat that um, when they highlighted your wife and she talked about how you smoked, like your mom and dad smoked too. Like everybody, the the, the attitude towards cannabis was very laissez faire back then. Because yeah, yeah, well, it wasn't my family anyway. Well, it sounds like it you a lot of Don't forget the seventies was kind of wide open. And we thought that certainly during the Carter administration, they were going to legalize it. And yeah. he had said he would. But of course, uh, when what's his name, his advisor got nailed for Coke in uh, the Playboy Club, uh, that was the end of that. There was so much pressure that it went 180. And, and so they started coming down on everybody and everything. Uh, and. Uh, won't mention his name, but we kind of all know who uh, ratted out that coke deal. Oh, shit. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and it's a shame. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> I just, it's just so crazy to think that you got caught up in all this bullshit because at that same time, the DAA was uh, about to face non-funding, right? That's exactly how we got caught up in it. Uh, they wanted to non-fund the DEA. It didn't serve a lot of purpose. And at the time, the FBI had a serious problem. They were no longer in the spy hunting business. Old War was over. And at that time, the stated mission of the FBI was to stop industrial espionage. Uh, that really wasn't too sexy, nor was it too easy. They weren't enjoying it. And so they got together with the DEA. Now, remember, the DEA had no arrest powers. They had no arrest powers because in their original carnation, uh, incarnation, they were a very corrupt organization. And to eliminate... What was the original What was the original incarnation? The Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. That's that... DNDA. That James Martin... So huh? that, that was the stuff under the previous law, the ones, the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act. The, so that, that bureau. Under that Harry Anslinger. Right. right. It was the BND, then the BNDD. They were both uh, shut down for corruption and born again as the DEA. But when they chartered it, they didn't give them arrest powers. The FBI... They had plenty of arrest powers, but nobody to go chase. And the very first joint effort of the FBI and DEA was called Operation Bonko. The deal was they were to trace the millions of dollars moving from South Florida, which had 
actually the the richest uh, Federal Reserve Bank in the in the country. It was more money in Florida than the rest of the country put together. Between the pot smuggling and the coke smuggling, uh, it was all happening here. So Operation Banco was was to stop and trace the funds. When they did, they found that the banks moving the money were also involved in the CIA operations against Castro. Mm. They were the anti-Castro Cubans, and they controlled a lot of the banks in Miami. So when they found the people actually taking in the money and sending it to Colombia, there was nothing they could do. The banker who was taking the money from us and, and delivering it to Colombia, he got a, a slap on the wrist and a one-year suspended sentence. And he moved millions and millions. He was the guy they were looking for, but they couldn't bust him because of the CIA. Anyway, so somebody we had became a fall. the fall guys. Yeah. We became the fall guys. They spent six million bucks on the investigation, which back in those days was a ton of money. Uh, and they had nobody to uh, prosecute. And we were the dummies who were in the wrong place at the wrong time. With the good weed. And the level of prosecution was not they, even. They found, huh? they found us through the banker that they couldn't bust, but he was the guy they were looking for. He's the one laundering the money. Yep. Juan O of the <laughs> Royal Trust of Canada. It was I'm really shocked, neat. Shocked that it's, a, it's an international bank, but there's so many international banks that help launder this money. Yeah, but the, they ended up being the biggest. I mean, there were two or three other banks in Miami that were doing it. But things kind of moved toward them because they were they were they were in that business. We used to come with two suitcases yeah. or two yeah. briefcases with like a million each in each in Man. each one in, wow. in hundreds or maybe a few fifties. Yeah, that was the God, and, Godfather of Ganja. So like this was a Colombian operation. Yeah, and we'd come to the back door of the bank, big steel door, totally uh, blank. And we'd have to do a secret code on the bell. And we'd bring that secret code. And the vice president of the bank, Juan Poe, he'd come get us. And he'd open the door. And he'd take us in to a huge vault. And in the middle of the vault was a big conference table with, like, six tellers, three on each side. And he would open these briefcases and throw a pile of money in front of each teller. And the tellers would always be looking down at the table because they weren't supposed to look at us. They weren't supposed to remember us. Sure. So the tellers would Very have their great. hands down. <laughs> I just love that they, they are help. They're doing, because like when you, we have legal cannabis now, it's the exact opposite. You have standard operating procedures for when people are there to see who's there, just in case you have to report it to the police. This was an operating procedure from a bank to avoid seeing who's there to allow him to anonymously and discreetly commit these crimes. Yeah, and the, and the tellers would keep their head down and they'd be counting. And every now and then, pop, they'd throw out a 50 or or $100 bill that was counterfeit. I mean, they were counting wow. quicker than the machine. And then, wow. pop, they'd throw one out. And at the end of the count-up, Juan Poe, I don't care if, he, if I give away his name, 
he got away. He, he got away pretty good. Yeah. Now, in any case, he was mentioned in in the Boston in the papers, but he would then take all these bills that were thrown into this big ashtray in the middle of the table, and he'd count them, and he'd say, "Okay, that's five thousand dollars in counterfeit," and he'd light it because they couldn't report it. They're supposed to report it. Oh shit! But they couldn't. So he'd burn it. And then I'd have to give them five thousand in cash. We always carried a couple extra bundles with it uh, to make up for the shortfall. It was an interesting time. Things you'll never see again. For for everybody listening, I'd like to make it clear that you were never caught with anything. There was never a moment where Bobby was around, tons of weed, and police showed up at the same time, right? Like that. That's right. Uh, we were indicted. Over a year after we uh, retired, so you were out. You were out of the game. You were out of the game, and then like they just decided to come knocking. Well, you don't just decide. They built a case uh, at the grand jury. It it entailed them busting other people, who then turned around and said, "Well, no, those are the big guys. Those two guys, me and Robbie, they're the big guys. We work for them." which wasn't always true, but that's basically how we got indicted. People, after we were done, got uh, their dick caught in the door and needed a fall guy. Hey, when that happens. But I can now understand. I didn't care for it much either. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I am sorry. I, that, that sucks. But I can appreciate now, after talking to you, why Columbia has been such a player to begin with and why they're just sitting there ready to export their, their product into this country. They had really magnificent product. The people I did business there with there were, were terrific, honorable people. And if they protected me, they watched out for us. And they went and they got me almost all of the good Santa Marta gold that was grown. Uh, because it's a built-up area and there's not that much of it grown. I was willing to pay two or three times what the Cuban smugglers were paying. They always wanted... 12 to $20 a mountain grown ditch weed. I mean, it was really good. It was Colombian regs. Mm. It was strong stuff, but compared to the Santa Marta gold, it wasn't too thrilling. Yeah. Uh, I would pay anywhere from 40 to $60 a pound when I could have bought mountain grown for 20, Fuck. but my load sold first and I didn't have to bring it home and sell it for 180 a pound. I got anywhere from 280 to 340 a pound. Wow. And my customers bought a minimum of a thousand pounds. And you were just thirsting from Columbia, right? Uh, I, in this documentary, it kind of lays out the whole how Jamaica was part of it, the that plot in it group. The uh the uh the uh I'm all right. Stop the Christians. Yeah. Oh, they were yeah. the ones bringing it from Jamaica, brother love. And the Coptics. And uh, were you part of that hustle as well? Huh? Were you part of that hustle as well? Like any of your group? No, I, I, I knew those guys, but no, oh. I, I didn't have anything to do with them. And and they cut their own throat. And they started doing a, a weekly TV show. And you could see these kids yeah. smoking slips that were, that were two feet long. No, I, I I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, we were talking about you. Yeah, yeah, I was in Jamaica. Yeah. One time they 
they had more money circulating in Jamaica than the Jamaican government. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When you got arrested no. the whole time, I mean, there was you weren't the only ones. That's where I'm I'm trying to get at. Really, was like these guys are making more money in the Jamaican government, supplying and, and buying huge lots of property in Florida, uh, just to be an intermarry. And you guys were just a couple of guys just trying to make a couple of green and then go on to your life, which is insane. Yeah, they, were, they were a much bigger organization. There were never more than six or seven of us together, uh, yet. The DEA made us the Black Tuna Gang. Yeah. Oh, they. I. I and, you notice how they, they said, put the word black and in said, there? And and they <laughs> said we needed these medallions to identify each other. That's how we would identify gang members. No, you I didn't have a handshake. Huh? You didn't have like a handshake or a flash sign or like colors, nothing. You just no. If I, if I showed you our secret hand sign, handshake, I'd have to shoot you. No, no, but, uh, I, I don't want that. I do, I do think, though, that while you might not have been able to keep those genetics for the past 30 years, the people in Colombia and Jamaica probably have. So that is something that I'm looking forward to when we do legalize this stuff, getting some, some land races from there. I know a couple of people who claim they've uh, still got a few seeds for Santa Marta Gold, which is Ooh. just the most extraordinary pot. But I also have met dozens of growers who have gone to Columbia, tried to find seeds, could not, and then came to me and, and asked who I could, you know, if I could send them to somebody who might have the seeds. What they're really looking for is the Santa Marta gold and the Punta Roja. Wow. I can only imagine how good that shit tastes. <laughs> oh, oh it tasted so good and it was so sticky. Uh, I love how, I can, you know, it isn't our grandfather's weed. Yeah, we got shit now. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, we've got some good weed. We do. Uh, I did a beta test on some for uh, Truly that I would say is as close as anything's ever come to that Santa Marta gold. Uh, well, I heard like OG Kush. Isn't that a Florida for, that came out of the 90s? Yeah, what about it? I thought that the OG Kush cut was something that was developed in Florida in the mid '90s. Yeah, and it was good. Uh, and before that, the Crippy, Crippy, which was a lot like uh, Colombian. I think. I think what we experienced. I just saw a uh, NPR thing where they talked about tomatoes are losing uh, their flavor because they've been so groomed to be better to fight pesticides and whatnot. And this is the only reason why I think that uh, home grows important. Because just like with the potato famine, uh, if we just tailor genetics to a certain way, we're, we're not going to have the same awesome uh, uh, sticky icky that was back in the day. Instead, we're going to have this tailored bullshit that auto flowering. I mean, it's not all bad. That's nonsense because all the dispensaries compete with one another. Right. And everybody's always looking for top shelf, what's new. And so they develop them. Yeah. Uh, what I beta tested for them uh, last week was months in development. They grew, I had heard they grew uh, something like 18 plants to find a mother. And once they found a strong mother, they had to grow another crop to make sure that the mother bred true. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more sophisticated than sticking a seed in the ground like we used to and then having a good time watching it come up. Hmm. Uh, no, I think they're 
they're actually producing more top strains now than ever. Yeah. The average strain of truly runs 19 to about 22%. 19 to 22%. I think that I've gotten seven different strains there, and they were all up around 2021, 20, except one that was 16. But it's not necessarily the percentage. I mean, I've, I've had weed that was 18 and 20. You still couldn't get high on because it just didn't work in the body. Right. But the, the 16 that I tried of theirs was as good as the 18 or 19. You'd be hard pressed to tell that, you know, that it wasn't as, as strong. So, no, I believe in, in the people that are in it now. I know the people that, that are growing for all the different contests, the cannabis cups and the emerald cups and, and the dab, the dab dudes and dab dudes. Uh, well, let's yeah. turn to Florida. There's, there's a lot more great stuff actually being developed now than there ever was. Mm. So it, like, it's just the haters that say, you know, they're, they're growing generic wheat. No, they're not. That's baloney. Right. All right. So let's let's sure. then, uh, translate that. Oh, there, I, I, I missed the Truly thing. But this is Truly. It turns out is a sponsor of this Regulate Florida, which uh, also has a uh, no. This isn't the why. Where's the one about you? There it is. Catch Bobby Tuna. So you've been uh, working with this Regulate Florida ballot initiative. Yeah, I'm also a director of Normal for the state. Okay. So what's and of the, course founder and director of the Silver Tour, the and Silver we wouldn't Tour. have medical in Florida if it wasn't for the Silver Tour rounding up the senior vote. Oh, oh yeah. I believe it. I believe it. And then here it is, sponsored by True Leave again. So True Leave is a sponsor of the Silver Tour? Yep. Uh, we go in, we bring a doctor, we bring patients, we give them a free Panera Bread buffet. Uh, it's a show. It's it's not a seminar or a class. My average audience is 200 or 250. Nice. Uh, I just did a small show in the villages of 150 people. Mm -hmm. So many of them got up after the show to sign up for their medical card. Great. Uh, at, uh, and we had Dr. Kelly King, who's fabulous. He's been doing a lot of the teaching at the universities. Uh, she had to come back like two more days just to write all the rec recommendations. The Silver Tour is magic. It really is. And there's nobody else out there really talking to seniors. No. There's nobody out there doing public education. And that's that's the yeah. biggest block. I mean, the block is the seniors and the public education like that, because in Illinois, we were just stuck at a very few amount of patients. And Florida just killed the amount of patients that Illinois has in a relatively quick order, because I thought Florida just recently uh, obtained medical cannabis in the last election in 2016, right? 2016, yeah, we've had it two years. Hmm. Wow, uh, yeah. We've got almost 100 dispensaries open. Hmm. Uh, True Leaf's got 39 open, and they're going to do another dozen before the year's over. That's wow. great. Uh, they're an amazing chain. Let me tell you something. All five of the original licensees came to me and they wanted to sponsor the Silver Tour. I mean, they come from my shows to their dispensaries via the doctor. Yeah. And we back. Man down. <laughs> I looked around and there was one that stood out. When you buy something at Truly, 
walk out with that bag and they tell you if everything in there does not do what you need it to do, even if you used it, bring it back. Nice. We'll find something that works for you. To me and, and my demographic, which is seniors and veterans, that means everything in the world. Nobody yeah. else takes back medicine. Uh, some of the other uh, dispensaries are, are pretty good. Pure Leaf is good. They're like the Mickey D's of, of marijuana. They're all over the country. It looks like Illinois. The, same, the same plastic store. But their products are decent. Mm. Uh, we have another one here. They were so bad they had to change their name after uh, the first year. Oh, shit. Now, now <laughs> they're called Fluent. They weren't so fluent when I went in there. Uh, I went in three times, could not find a single product decent that was available that sucks uh, before truly opened up in my area what kind of uh, testimonies are you getting from the uh, the senior crowd after they get their script I, i'm always curious like there's somebody who had a bad you know body aches and then they're like oh i'll try marijuana the first time holy shit i feel like i'm 30 again are you getting something like that or hundreds of them oh. all the time they come up to me they want to they, they stop me in the supermarket I want to hug you. Can you give me a hug? Why is that? Well, my mom had fourth stage uh, breast cancer and uh, she wouldn't even consider marijuana. I made her go to one of your shows and that was two years ago. Nice. She's fine. And, and I hear this all the time. Uh, one place, big senior community. We've been several times and always get a huge audience president of the club that brings us in up and he talked about all the skin cancers he's taken off his head and his arms and that his wife taken on taken off yeah. and to have somebody who's well known in the community stand up and say i listened to bobby i tried it just like he said and no skin cancers no more mose procedures no more steroids hmm. I, I get it all the time. Cool that you are, are recommending they take, or is it just the inhalation? Is it just the cannabinoids? No, we, ex we explain all the different ways. There are a lot of seniors who don't want to smoke. Uh, there are a lot of people who come in and say, well, can I do the same thing with CBD because I don't want to get high? The answer is no, you can't. They're selling CBDs like it's snake oil nowadays. Yeah. Every time there's a good research report on full spectrum cannabis some asshole says cbc cbds will cure your cancer and you know half the stuff on the market isn't even legitimately cbds right so i explain the difference i tell them about the entourage effect and the doctor does the same thing the doctor reinforces it and explains that you need all 460 elements in there in order to get the real benefits right so we do that and i tell them if you want a cbd product get it at a legitimate dispensary where you know it's grown from cannabis not industrial hemp from china that yeah, it doesn't yeah. have metals and if it says 10 percent cbd it really is 10 percent cbd not two percent so we cover all the bases we talk about edibles and, and drinks and pinchers and pills and there's a million ways they can get it.
Do they, do they ever feel overwhelmed by how much of a world there is to this cannabis plant that maybe they've been ignoring their whole lives? They're overwhelmed with the truth and they're accepting. When I started the Silver Tour, I couldn't get into even one senior community. When did Every you start the Silver Tour? Almost 10 years ago. Uh, I remember because that's about when I came by you was about around, 10 years ago. Around 2010, 2009. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was right after Prop 19 went down the drain in California. That was 2010. And uh, I looked at all the exit polls and saw it was seniors that put it down. And I said, I are one. <laughs> and I'm an old pitcher. If, yeah. I, if I can't turn these people around, nobody can. Plus, yeah. I know it would be easy. You only have to remind them of what life was like back in college when they were token. Oh. I mean, that, that's a good part <laughs> of get, getting over the fear. When I tell them, look, you, have you ever seen the commercial with the little butterfly to tell you if you take this for sleep, you can walk in your sleep and talk in your sleep and drive a car in your sleep? And remember, what's your name? I think it was Ethel Kennedy ran into a tree. Oh. Um, on Ambien, half the seniors in this country are on Ambien and Lunesta. It doesn't put you to sleep, it puts you in a fugue state. It's a very uncomfortable state. And if you forget that you took the first one, you take another one, you'll die. Yeah. They tell you your tongue can swell up and you can die. They also tell you if you suffer from depression, don't take this. Well, what senior doesn't suffer from depression? Being old is depressing, <laughs> you know, it's, it, but then you remind them, remember when you were in college, you'd sit around, you'd toke, you'd order a pizza, then try to figure out what you were talking about before you ordered the pizza. I still and, do that. It's great. And you get a great night's sleep. You wake up feeling good and you actually get REM sleep. That's an easy sell. Wait, let's, let's do this. Okay. You said you actually get REM sleep. Is that a trade-off when you're drinking alcohol? Do you not get REM sleep? But if you smoke cannabis, you will get REM sleep? Yeah. Plus, you don't get REM sleep from any sleeping pill. Mm. From Ambien, Lunesta, you do not get REM sleep. You're put into a fugue state. It's a very uncomfortable kind of, yeah, I'm asleep kind of. Yeah. But it's not restful. Mm. And, and it's frustrating. But half the seniors in this country take it, and every month, uh, almost a couple of hundred die from it. Wow. Hey, is, so that's an easy sell. Is Xanax popular amongst the seniors? Yeah, it is. I don't know how popular, but yeah, it is. Because that, like, that's the thing with the CBD. If you get real real cbd preferably from like real good hemp flour so it's natural just like and you're gonna get the entourage effect you're getting a small amount of thc with it you know that is really good for pain and for anxiety um yeah but high thc is even better for pain and anxiety i could sometimes get a little bit tweaked if i am only on the thc you know you can you, know, you can feel a little bit uh high strung in my opinion or paranoid almost when I, when I have a group of seniors who say, I don't want to get high, I look at them and say, why not? At our age, we deserve to be high all the time. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, because the, the, real, the, real, the real description of being high is feeling nice. Yeah. That's it. yeah. It's nice. That's what it is. High is a misleading. What do you want to be? You don't want to be happy? I'm a stoner, yeah. but I don't tell people I'm a stoner. Yeah. But I am a stoner and proud of it. People right. don't understand what being stoned is. They think it's some 
out of your mind, you know, mental state. And it's not. So once people get to understand that, and I'll stand up in front of a thousand people and say, look, you don't know if I'm high or not, but I'll tell you the truth. I've been high since I got up this morning. It doesn't stop you from functioning. Right. Uh, we have normally uh, at our shows in South Florida, we have Irv Rosenfeld, who's the uh, How's one of the existing federal patients still alive. Well, he's barely alive. No, and he's got some health problems that, that uh, have nothing to do with what on cannabis. But he's been getting it from the government for 40 years, yep. and uh, he gets 300 joints a month from the feds, and it's the only thing that's kept him alive since he's a teenager. So when he gets up and testifies, or at the last show I had uh, Jerry Dunn, the America's Marathon man, the 73-year-old guy who runs 200, 400-mile marathons, and he's getting ready to do a cross-country run, 3,000 miles. Wow. And when he talks about his cannabis use and the fact that he's 73 and running marathons, that overcomes a lot of problems. Wow. Do you have a lot of barriers, too, dealing with uh, people's mindset of, like, this has been illegal. My government tells me this is bad. So why should I believe you, guy who served... 29 years. I mean, I think that's a lot of stalemate thinking, you know? We used to get a lot of that. Now we get very, very little. And the truth is, what swung it around, now it had been coming and coming in our direction, but what really swung it around was Sanjay Gupta. Mm, when really? he did that very special, uh, the Charlotte's Web. Yeah which also started the whole CBD thing. And it was wrong yeah. because Charlotte's Web was not really a CBD. Yeah. Really? It, I it thought was, it was quite it was, high in CBD. No, it was, it was a one-in-one. One. Oh, just a one-to-one. One. Okay. I thought it was it like was a 20 one one. ratio. I thought it was one of the first 21 ratios because a lot of the ones now that they're growing for hemp, like Lifter, Cherry Wine, ACDC, yeah. they're a 20-to-1 ratio. Yeah, but they, they're not very good. <laughs> Uh, when when you take a kid out to Colorado uh, to get them on Charlotte's Web, they make you sign a release that says you will not tell anyone what went on here. You know, the brothers are trying to keep that in their pocket. And what they do is they'll start you on a high CBD, almost no THC. And when it doesn't work, which is most of the time, and they start raising the CBD, uh, the THC content. So finally, it gets to a one in one. And that's what most people are on. They'll deny it, but that's what most people end up on is a one in one. 10% uh, THC, 10% CBDs, 14% THC. Like a Harley Sue or an Argyle strain. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. Well, I, I like, like those. Well, I'm just saying that I, I don't mind a one-to-one -one strain. Like, you know, if I if I sprain my ankle or something, I'm probably going to go to it. You know, I'm not going to yeah. sit there in pain. No, but uh, there's been a lot of research reports out lately that said if you try a straight CBD as opposed to something with high THC, the high THC works much, much better for pain, for anxiety, for sleep. And if I was going to treat a cancer and I've treated dozens of them on myself uh it would be high thc i don't care if there's any cbds in or not 
Mm. Uh, I'm getting good quality RSO from True Leave now. Uh, they put out two strains of RSO. One's a heavy indica. The other's a really good hybrid. Yeah. And I put a little drop on a cookie or a piece of candy or a cough drop every night, and I take it for sleep. I I'm also take my chemoprotectorant. So, like, I'll do that. Yeah. But then I don't <laughs> I want to get it. cancer, you know? I take it as a prophylactic against cancer, mm. against dementia. Uh, probably the most powerful part of the Silver Tour show is when they see a group of dementia patients who were at the end of life. I mean, they were all in wheelchairs, could no longer talk, could no longer walk. And this... Uh, big nursing home in Illinois uh, has been treating with cannabis for a couple of years. And you actually see them come back from that state. Yeah. Starting 20 minutes after the first dose. And by the end of the week, they're, they can walk, they can talk, they can recognize people they haven't recognized in 10 years. And when a, room, when a room full of seniors sees that, end of story. They're ready to sign up. It's truly is and them, Yeah, and I tell them don't wait for legalization. Hey man, I'm in Illinois. Where is this? And then let's talk uh, about legalization of Florida next year. Yeah. But where in Illinois yeah. is this? Uh it's a big nursing home. I'm trying to remember the name of it. We're gonna have to get them on the show. Uh, I I used their video, which I've edited down to to about eight minutes, where you see the progress of these three patients. Awesome. But now uh more slight who is the biggest owner of nursing homes uh, is putting in a program. Oh, cool. And they've just gotten permission in Florida to start treating with cannabis products. I mean, why not? But the difference is a miracle. Well, and why not? Is there, there is no, there is no, no way to treat Alzheimer's. Yeah, but that's amazing. There's no other treatment. But the, the problem is, and what I've done, that was one of the posts that I did last week, is that why are so many or some people routinely against marijuana legalization? And I say, follow the money. You have to look at where the federal money goes and federal money goes to the healthcare industry a lot. And so a lot of the healthcare industry, because it's a schedule one substance is ultimately precluded from saying anything positive about this stuff. And so, so many people are just left in the dark and it's to their detriment. It's changing. And and now what they say is we'd like to do it, yeah. but we can't because Boy. we're afraid of our federal narcotics license. Yeah. That, that's basically what they talk about. Uh, I, they won't get their federal grants, but, you know, a nursing home's got to have a narcotics license. And that's DEA. That's federal. That's what they're most afraid of. Yeah. While this place in Illinois didn't have a problem, I don't really know, because they were only using it on patients who were at the end. And what the owner of the nursing home or the director said was, we should really be using this as the first line of treatment, not the last. Right. But in order to get people to okay the treatment for their relatives and say, okay, you can treat them with cannabis, it was pretty much end-of-life patients wow. who they were wow. able to get permission to treat. So it, it made sense. But now they're using it more and more. But, yeah, hospitals have the same problem. Universities have the same problem. 
uh, grant money, federal money, and of course, a narcotics license. And the banks, the banks are the same problem. They got the feds in there as well. Well, yeah. the banks have been taking pot money for for years now. Uh, yeah, but they say they, they, they do it on the down low. Yeah. Yeah. And and once you're exposed, then they throw you out. That's right. But I think I probably know half the dispensary owners in the country, and they've been banking for a long time, but have had to do it on the down low. It'll it'll be a big help when they can do it openly. And some oh, of the yeah. banks are beginning to do it openly. They want that money. Absolutely. And the feds, and the feds don't want you coming in with a, with a briefcase like we used to take to the banks to pay your taxes, which is how it has to be done, at least in theory. Well, that's one of the reasons why I don't think they're too uh, quick to get rid of the Schedule One substance because they get that IRC 280E money, that double tax in the dispensary. So the larger the medical um, medical cannabis or adult use cannabis markets get, the more money the feds take from IRC 280E. But of course, they go to great lengths to avoid it with downstreaming and stacking these LLCs on each other. And so a dispensary is like... 20 times more likely than a normal business to get audited. Hmm. Yeah. Bullshit. Hey, um, we're Bobby, actually making pretty damn good progress for the short amount of time. Oh, hell yeah. Moving toward legalization. Oh yeah. The truth is I'm the guy who spent 30 years in prison for cannabis and I can see the progress probably much better than most others. I'm not bitter. I don't look back and I'm thrilled we're making the progress we are and, the, and that I'm part of it and I'm bringing seniors into the conversation because nobody else did. Yeah. Nobody else yeah. even wanted to include seniors. You know, when Prop 19 uh, went down in California and I was talking to some of the well-known activists out there and I showed them, I said, it, it's seniors. They said, ah, we don't need seniors. We've had medical for 15 years. Nobody's going to take it away from us and we're going to get legalization. Well, they blew the legalization and the government started closing down dispensaries, started busting growers out there. Uh, and, and they saw that not reaching out to educate people was the reason. The senior vote, too, I can imagine just trickles down. And, and we've gotten almost every state that we've attempted to legalize medical. We've won. Silver yeah, Tour. Right. So let's talk <laughs> Silver Tour. Let's talk yeah, Silver Tour 2020 in Florida. Our, uh, let's. It's gonna. Is it gonna make the ballot? Ballot initiative in Florida 2020. Legalize cannabis recreationally. We're hoping regulate will, and we're doing everything we can to try and raise the money. But the fact is, the other folks have the money, and as far as I'm concerned. And I know some of my other directors agree with me that if we don't make the ballot, but legalized Florida does, I will personally do everything I can to push to see that that it passes. I mean, I've been working at this for a long time. I did 30 years in prison. I've, I've been a leading activist for the 10 years I've been out. And I'm getting tired. I'm old. I just had my 77th birthday yesterday. Joe Biden's your age. He's running for president. I think you guys got uh, uh, 
Yeah, you're old, don't get me wrong, but you're experienced. You're very experienced. You know, you're ready to lead the world, you know. I'm I'm old, experienced, and I know for a fact that the majority of seniors need us to pass recreational. That's the only way they're going to have safe, legal access to what is really good quality medicine. I am thrilled with what's in most of the dispensaries here. It's top quality. Uh, it's slightly more than the black market, not much. What's the uh, price of a gram? Because that's uh, something we like to talk no, about. Grams are running between ten and eleven bucks a what? gram. That's and not that right. Ain't no, that it's ain't like bad. Twenty here, man. It's twenty. No, see, an eighth uh, in truly is like forty-three bucks. No, fifty-nine. That's three and a half grams. Plus, they give you a discount for almost everything. If you're a veteran, if you're a senior, if it's your first visit, if it's Halloween, if it's Christmas. It's so, <laughs> so you're really going to pay about 30, 32 bucks for an eighth. That is that's they like they have three levels, 33, 43, and 53. But most of the good stuff's in the in the mids, 43. So after your discount, and of course they give me a really good discount. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got in it, my friend. I, I get an employee discount, yeah. but it's it's between ten and eleven bucks a gram. And to buy legal wheat that has been grown very carefully, that can certify what the real content is, that does not have any harmful. Uh, fertilizers, sprays, chemicals, and best of all, when they bucket, when they clean it, it's clean. Every nug is not a tree. It's it's a nug, and it's all smokable. Nice. So if you get three and a half grams, and, and most of them actually weigh a little more. I mean, you can't be that exact. Fat age. So if you're getting three and a half grams for... 30 some bucks, you're paying about 10 bucks a gram. And boy, I don't mind that. I love it because they can't put me in jail for it. I gotta yeah. get to Florida, man. I got my card and I got my weed. Here's my weed. Yeah. Yes. There's even some left in there, I think. Fantastic. Dude. Bobby, what's next for the senior tour, the silver tour? What about it? Uh, are you going to be touring more Florida or you have more national plans ahead of you? Uh, Truly, at the moment, sponsors us in Florida. We do shows elsewhere where we have a sponsor. I mean, we've been in 20 states. I've had my TV show, Grandma Smoke Pot, in a dozen states. I put up those billboards you see behind me in a dozen states. When uh, we had Amendment 2 on the ballot, I ran 8,000 one-minute radio spots on the top iHeart stations, the news talk stations, where the older demographic has the radio to. And we managed to pass Amendment 2. And I did radio in Ohio. I did radio in Tennessee. I did radio in Arkansas, uh, California. I've been on half, more than half the campaigns in the country in order to make sure we got senior vote and, and the medical pass. And we've even passed it in uh, a lot of the South where uh, we weren't looking so good. Yeah. All right. Georgia needs weed, man. I can't believe that Atlanta <laughs> has so many rappers and they have no legal weed. 
It just it makes no they sense. Have, <laughs> they have some form of medical now. They yeah. do. Well, well, let's yeah. talk about that for can't a second. Wasn't Florida? Have... I thought Florida was really restrictive, like some of these other states. Maybe Georgia's one of them. When they start having medical cannabis, they don't allow flour. But now we have flour. But you guys started without flour, right? Yep. And the court said you can't do that. These people voted. Florida for courts. All forms. Yeah. Any any yeah. form is what Amendment Two says. Any and all forms of, of cannabis. And deregulate so, prices, decentralize it so you can have a lot of opportunity for people to start businesses and get into the industry. Yeah, and, and although you don't think in those terms, everybody, you know, all the haters say they're making millions and you got to be a millionaire to get in. and They don't realize it costs millions to even set up a grow. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, the licenses are very expensive. Story rents are very high because they see you coming. They do. They know you're a pot company and they put up the if price. You wanna, yeah. If you want a dispensary, you're going to pay big, big money for the stores. And each dispensary in Florida has anywhere from 30 to 35 employees. Now, TrueLeave has opened and trained employees for 39 stores and they're ready for a lot more. That's a miracle to me. Because there is no labor market. Mm. Place down here is desperate. Every restaurant is desperate for help. Every really? factory. But you guys are like 46 million people. How can there be such a tight labor market? Florida. Wherever, wherever because there's no unemployment. We've, we've been here before. And then when you stop all the people coming in and there's nobody to pick your crops and there's nobody to be a maid in your hotel, and there's nobody to be a waiter in your restaurant. Ten more years, we have robots. Unless you're Trump, because he brings them all in from Slovenia. Yeah, it's America. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't hire Americans. <laughs> he really doesn't. Well, no, no, no American would put up with Donald Trump's shit and be his wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's everything. There are literally dozens of lawsuits in Florida and New York uh, against the Trump organization. They bring in foreigners working twenty hours a day. And then stiff them. That's right. That's the thing. It's really yeah, easy to get rich. If all you got to do is look up the lawsuit to public record. But uh, people aren't that interested. Well, let's really hope then, because I'm. I think that people are going to go to the polls in 2020, and that's because Florida. If they're going to put something on the ballot, whether it's regulate Florida or legalize Florida, you want to get it passed. You want to get that access to the safe, good medicine to the people of Florida. Uh, the, the presidential election allows for more people to show up. And don't you have to get like a super majority for that amendment to pass? Yep. 60%. Damn. Uh, but we got 71% for amendment two. Yes, okay. you did. And it's not going to be hard to get 60%. What's hard to do is to get 777,000 valid petitions. You know, everyone has to be checked. They got to be a registered voter. Uh, they got to be current. We have to pay to get everyone checked. Every every time you turn in petitions, you got to pay the state to check them and make sure the they're valid and there's not one word wrong on on the petition. Yeah, it's, they it, don't want they're just huh? you're making trouble for the state. And so the state's like, no, no, no. They're making it more difficult to get on the ballot yeah, they do because they, they don't want you to have the initiative to pass your own laws. They don't have it. Like this in every state. Some Illinois doesn't have it. We don't have it here. 
Seattle yeah. does. Uh, I mean, you guys were able to be a ballot initiative state when you guys went adult use and also medical, right, man? Yeah, yeah. But like Bobby was saying earlier about it's like the non-sexy stuff, right? This is like to get something approved, a law. Uh, it's some of the most boring and expensive shit out there, right? Yeah, you got to get signature signature gatherers. Then you have to get the guy that approves that stuff. I would uh, way more rather, way more rather smoke myself something that I've never had before, but I know what it's called. That's right. I would rather, much rather, be smoking some Santa Marta Gold from Colombia. I me too. Uh, <laughs> Although I'm really happy with what I'm getting at the dispensary, and I do know what I'm getting. I mean, I know the difference. When I hear these haters say it's factory grown and it's generic weed, and they don't know what the f- they're talking about, yep. they really don't. I hate the haters, yeah. and that's the only thing I hate is the haters. The what? people that are going around in Florida telling people if there's not medical on there, don't vote for it, vote against it. Are you crazy? Yeah. As hard as we've worked for ten years, and as badly as most people need it. We'll get medical. We'll get it from the courts if we have to. Or we'll get it uh, from the legislature. They won't hold back for that long. Yeah. But we got to pass legalization now. Too many people need it. Most feds can't afford to get their card and then pay the state 75 bucks and then pay them another 75 to renew in seven months. And that's why you need the home growth. Well, you do, but only one and a half percent of the people grow. But for the people that grow. don't have the money, like because of the, the well, I mean, I can't believe the dispensaries are like half off from Illinois prices. Seriously, we're paying 20 bucks a gram here. But uh, if you're paying 20 bucks a gram, that home grows even more important, especially if you're a patient, because then you have the pro- the, the power to control. It's only important if you can grow it. Yeah. And most people can't. They can't. Or they don't have the risk. They're afraid of the risk. And they don't know what they're doing. And if they do try, chances are it's going to die before it matures anyway. And really, Florida's just trying to be another dominant in the legalization process. If you can just get that door open, whether homegrown or not, I mean, that's what we're done here. And then you can retrofit everything, you know, try and go back and fix it. Are we frozen? No, yeah, I was like the director of normal. What we were doing was getting the townships uh, to allow. Uh, to decriminalize. That was our goal because it was a pragmatic goal. We could do it. Yeah. And we went to the townships and we got almost all of South Florida to uh, decriminalize. And that was great. I was thrilled. And then we went on from there to the medical. I mean, we're such so a far away. Great. I was in the can 30 years. Yeah. Any progress. When a cop says, I'm not going to bust anybody for pot, Makes me feel good. Well, but I think yeah. that you have tapped into absolutely the right vein because it's that mortality of it, and like how you explained how it is to to get older, and that the the prejudice is there. But then as soon as you start breaking it down, and like, no, this is going to protect you against Alzheimer's. This is going to help you have less pain, less anxiety, be more comfortable in your own skin, and enjoy your life. That's uh, what the silver door does. Yep. That's why it's so successful. About wellness. Hmm? It's about wellness. Yep. It's about weed. Man, well, we're going to have a lot of sponsorship opportunities for you to come across and talk to the old folks home here in Illinois because, you know, I, I like that Illinois has made its law how it is, 
but we got to break that stuff open. And I think that's just the next level of it. So, you know, hopefully next year we'll help. We're going to, we're going to promote as much as we can about getting Florida passed next, next election day. Uh, but then also it's the laws continue to evolve. Yeah. And so like you, yeah. you started with criminalization into medical, into adult use. And then after you get that open now, I mean, like I see how we're regulating alcohol and the public use of alcohol. There are 20 different classifications of liquor licenses in my hometown. Not one classification for using cannabis in public. That's true. Uh, but look at all the people who just got uh, sentence commutations in your state. Yes, that's good. That's that, great. that just thrills me to death. Hell yeah! I mean, I didn't get one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of like one of those next things where it's like, how come I can go buy all the vodka, but I can only have one ounce of cannabis? Yeah, it's changing so fast, and this we're making so much progress. I'm thrilled with it. Oh, and, me too. and every and I, time I hear some asshole say they're robbing us, and uh, you know. Greedy, and then you know, there's only one chain in the whole country, dispensary chain that's ever made a profit. Only one, really, because they're the best. Ah, uh, chain, yeah, truly. Oh, right on. They've been written up in, in the Wall Street Journal and Barron's, and uh, they spend a fortune on education, not just the silver door. They've got people that do nothing but go out and educate. That is fucking awesome. That is so because the doctors, doctors start from zero. Oh, they do. And they actually start anti-prejudice. They start from the doctors. Yeah. Tell them what the law is, mm. how to use it. Start teaching them about dosing. Uh, educate them about the products available. Truly spends a fortune. They sponsor most of the big educational seminars for doctors. Nice. And yet they're the only ones making a profit. And they're not overcharging. Well, they're pricing about the same as everybody else down here. Well, it's in their best interest, I think, that the, as the world changes. You know, I, I've, we said, I've said this before where people fear big marijuana. I'm like, you know what? You know what? I don't fear big marijuana because you know what? Big marijuana doesn't want to go to jail. So uh, let them help change their laws, too. We've been at this for what a long time. I've been 20 years. Long so so uh, now we got money involved. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, without money involved, we wouldn't be making the progress we're making. Oh, are you kidding? I can't. Like, when I first met you guys 10 years ago, I, when I first met you guys 10 years ago, I had to get out of the game immediately and go become a bank lawyer. Because there was just no, not only was there no money, the, the legislation and the prejudice the amount of progress that has been made in 10 years is crazy. And yeah, then really. now, it is. yeah, now you get to like cash in to a certain extent. And then, cause when you talk to somebody who's not in cannabis, they immediately get overwhelmed. And then like you said, like the doctors are starting at zero. No, I think they're starting below zero because they don't have no knowledge. They also have prejudice. So you have to chisel through the prejudice before you can get to the knowledge. And the knowledge is vast. You know, well, let me tell you here in Florida, the doctors, you know, there's two kind of pot docs, those who sell recommendations and those who treat patients. Yeah, we're very fortunate. We've got a bunch of great docs who are actually treating, running, getting people in for weekly clinics, charting their progress. 
but they're also going around to the medical schools and the medical seminars and sharing the information, sharing the knowledge. Doctors here are educating each other. Nice. And it's our doctors who are going to other states, going to other countries. Uh, we've got great docs here who actually know what they're doing and are teaching. That's and very that, important. That, that was a missing link, uh, educating doctors. And we're doing it now as fast as we can. We're taking every little piece of progress and feeding it right into the, the educational system. I wonder if the endocannabinoid system is like whether it's a sentence into a doctor's book or if there's a whole chapter, you know, because there should be a whole chapter as it involves our nerves, nervous system and our bone structure. But, you know, it's great to hear that these guys are teaching each other, though. It, it's, it's actually a lot of chapters. And uh, I've got great docs who come to my show. Uh, Kelly King, she's been doing seminars all over the country for doctors. Harry Gordon, uh, the, that great nurse from up in New England, Eileen Kuznitsky. Mm. She was just over in uh, Germany teaching. She was the first. In the beginning, I couldn't even get a doctor in Florida who'd get wow. up on stage and speak positively about cannabis. Damn. They were all afraid of the Florida Medical Association. That money, man. That's it. We said poison. Hmm. Can I speak at your show? Are you doing a show in my area? Because at the end of the show, nice. they did business. And that's, that's what about the business. show is about. The idea is to get people to sign up for the card, come to cannabis, use it to treat their cancer, and then go tell everybody how wonderful it is. I want to get to your dispensary, dude. You know, we can hang out there, and then you know, just come on down to Big uh, Bobby Tuna's dispensary, uh, and and then that would sponsor the the Silver Tuna tour into the next state, where you can use that application knowledge to get that next dispensary. You might have to partner with the social equity applicant, though. Yeah, truly, because I actually got some licenses in uh, Mass and Connecticut and wow. uh, California. Well, we got and, some going up in Illinois, man. We should get them. And I think they're going to yeah. be in every state. Good. And and when they do, uh, I'll be traveling in every state. That'd be dope. I got the Chicago flag up there because this is literally Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, it's been really great having you, there, Bobby. Yeah. I really appreciate oh, yeah. you, man. My pleasure. Uh, Thank you for having me. Hey, why don't we? Uh, where can people find you, man? And I'm going to bring up some of your websites then, just so you can kind of like tell us about them. TheSilverTour.org is the best one. It's got both of my books, Black Tuna Diaries, which is in its ninth printing, and uh, Greed and Evil, which nobody wants uh, because it's a book of facts and it explains who's getting rich from keeping cannabis illegal. Oh yeah, and then they and can also look out at uh, Regulate Florida. Uh, regulateflorida.com. They can download uh, the regulate petition, fill it in, and send it to us, or send us a donation. Nice. Also, and then we uh, need money to get this done. And you can find Square Grouper, or as yeah. it should be called, the Godfathers of Ganja on Amazon Prime. I learned a lot from yeah. that documentary, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, not just about you, Bobby, but the whole era. I mean, that was a, a eye-opening. The history. Yeah. That, that was the big surge of what made marijuana what it is today, what we did back in the 70s. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for it. So much. Uh, and guys, we'll be back uh, with another activist hour at this time or thereabouts next week. And and thanks again for Bobby Tuna joining us. We'll see you real soon. I gotta, gotta get rid of the wrinkles. I need. Hey, I, I, check out Ray Kurzweil. A year ago, Ray Kurzweil. Uh, have you? Are you on the NMN? Are you? Have you heard of uh, uh, David Sinclair's book, uh, How We Age and What We Can Do About It? The NMN. All right, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna send you some stuff. You'll be able to sell this as well. We'll get you a commission. You're going to go in all these uh, retirement communities. It's going to work great. But anyway, guys, we'll see you real soon. Take care. <laughs>